Good morning and welcome to Chapman and Robin. I'm Max Peterson. And I'm Bird. And uh, welcome to part two of uh, Fuck Damien Hurst, <laughs> the <laughs> modern art <laughs> review show. Uh, we're back in the chat cave. Weeks later, like the next week, we haven't seen these people in seven days. Um <laughs> Audio magic. Uh, we're back in the in the the main branch of the chat cave with uh, Hardly Quinn and the Toker, aka Aaron Shug. Hi. And Alan Shug. Hello. And uh, Ooh, that was sexy. And that was <laughs> man. Your your voice went all like deep pseudo. Uh, I can't think of a person with a sexy deep voice. I, my mind went straight to Tom Waits, but that would have been more like hello. Um, <laughs> Who does Batman? Uh, which one? Christian Bell? No. Uh, cartoon. Oh, oh, yeah. He's a good one, but I can't remember his name. It's Mark Hamill and... Someone else. Modern Bird. Art, let's Bird, go. look it up. Modern Art. Oh, oh and God. we're off. Last week, we sat down and talked about four artists that we loved, uh, ranging from sculpture to Dada to German Expressionism to... Uh, Art Nouveau. This week we're sitting down with four artists who s- are shitty. And <laughs> we're going to go in order from youngest to oldest. Uh, we've all done extensive research, so this is going to be highly informative and highly entertaining. Um, Alright, so artists that we hate and want to rip a new asshole. Alan, what do you got for us? <laughs> so, I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack for this. Maybe not from the four people here while the other three people here don't even um, say it i love damien hurst i love him if you say he's damien, not a modern artist he's contemporary. He's a contemporary yeah artist. come on we'll do contemporary art next time <laughs> all right sorry go ahead so i will say before i get into the artist kind of ironic that both of the artists that i chose did very little of their own work now they did do their own work mm. but it's james patterson <laughs> it's not actually <laughs> sorry so the artist that I'm choosing for this section here is Andy Warhol oh my oh. god okay dropping so, dropping a big old heavy glove in the ring there Alan Jesus yeah I'm H. throwing it right Bruce. down that's so, okay I'm I'm um <laughs> I'm going to be throwing a big name in, too. Oh, so. my God. Andy Sweet. Warhol. Okay. All right. I can, I can totally see the points that you're going to make before you even make them, and I understand. Yeah. And take us, take us through it. So I'm going to start with, I've learned very recently um, through watching, we started watching a show on Netflix called Skin Wars, which is awesome. It's all about body paint competition, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And we've learned that technical skill does not make you a great artist. Oh, at all. No. So, that being said, while some of his pieces were technically really well done, I just... Like the tomato soup can? Yeah, the the Campbell soup can was pretty flawlessly done, but, uh, shit. So, I'm gonna start with (laughs) him being just kind of a chotch in general and making other people do his work. (laughs) So... Best, for those who best <laughs> term ever used yeah. on this podcast. For those who are not familiar with Andy Warhol and how he worked, worked, he would create an original piece of artwork. Original. Well, I mean, some of it was pretty original. Um, some of it was just screen prints from yeah, photographs. Some of it was mm. just bad. Um, and then he would send these pieces to his employees, I guess. At his shop, his which groupies. he named, not someone else, he named The Factory. <laughs> and literally mm. had other artists replicate his piece. I and then they would just sell the shit out of it. I hate that. I hate that, like, about, I don't know, about mentality Andy Warhol? behind... Did you know this? No, no, no. That, just that mentality behind um, some artists is they just, they have an idea or they create, like, a master... For something, and then other people actually physically do the work. That makes me so James mad. Patterson. Shut up. So, okay. I think the big difference here between why I like Judd so much and why I hate Warhol mm. is that Judd put in a ton of work and would, like, build out really detailed sketches and, like, 
measurements and everything and then take them to an artisan and they would make one. And this right. is why I don't like Warhol is that he would create something which, I mean, it being good or not to begin with isn't really the point here. It was that he would just have a bunch of people replicate that and just flood the market with a bunch of garbage. Mm. Playing devil's but advocate. Culturally, culturally, Andy Warhol is a genius and amazing. I'm not going to deny that like, he was setting some pretty major did. trends, but he's also a fucking weirdo, which, I mean, what artist isn't a weirdo? We're very pro-weirdo here <laughs> on We Tim are pretty pro-weirdo. <laughs> okay, to fair play, enough. To play, to play devil's advocate, do, isn't Warhol's methodology in itself a statement about modern art, taking one unique piece and then mass-producing it for... For the for the masses, isn't that sort of? Talking? I wouldn't say that that's a statement on modern art. I would say that that was Andy Warhol's influence on modern art was the pop art thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he definitely was not the only one that was really setting trends in the pop art movement. I don't know if I would put him as the most revolutionary as far as like style is concerned, but yeah, definitely in like that mass reproduction. And, I mean, creating something that's very simple, like the Monroe face that has been mass replicated. Mm. Yeah, absolutely to get. I mean, that... um, His Elvises. His Elvises, the tomato soup can, the banana. Really? I wonder how much of that... I don't think so. Yeah, I don't, you totally I don't think I've seen the Elvis. I know, the, I know the Marilyn Monroe, and I know the Campbell's soup can, but I mean, I'll look it up later. I have some questions though, so Bert, go ahead. I'll... Um, I wonder how much of our dislike of the artists that we're choosing, um, comes from seeing their artwork so much and like like an overstimulation, or like an over reproduction. You know, like definitely. I think that has a big. A big lot to do with it. Mm. I'm surprised Bird didn't go with so. uh, Jean-René um, Basquiat. Ugh. He's contemporary. He was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Oh. Come on, Max. But War- but Warhol is... Warhol's period definitely bleeds over into that then because they were contemporary. Oh, for sure. It does bleed into. But, yeah, he, start- but, he-, oh, because- but he started as a modern... Okay, okay. I see what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah, he did a lot of paintings and films in the 60s and 70s. So my big question about the Warhol thing, because I was shocked when you said this, but I'm honestly not that familiar with Andy Warhol as an artist. I'm familiar with Andy Warhol as sort of like a cultural figure and as sort of like... As just like like a a human? (laughs) Well, Yeah. yeah, but also as like a facilitator of some of the most incredible, amazing art of all time. Like, okay, for example, Andy Warhol basically created the the, the um, musical artist Nico. She was sort of like a Warhol project that he pushed into the spotlight. He also hooked up Nico with the Velvet Underground for their first album, which is now considered to be one of like the most influential albums of all time is the Velvet Underground and Nico. Um, Warhol was also really close friends with David Bowie, and they had an enormous amount of influence um, on each other. And uh, Bowie would later even go on to play him in a film. So that doesn't mm-hmm. surprise me at all. Yeah, and it's and it's actually also, really good. He also created Interview Magazine. Interview Magazine. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that, but I'm assuming it's something. You in- would love it. <laughs> I don't. I don't doubt it at all. Is it what it sounds like? Interviews. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I already love it. Um, so what do you think, but like, I guess I, I, as not being familiar with him as an artist, do you, Alan, do you also hate him or whatever as a person or a cultural icon or whatever, or do you nope. just dislike strictly, strictly from the art standpoint, because there are so many artists that I hate as people, mm-hmm. um, but don't really care one way or the other about their art, so... I figured I would go more towards that because I was basing the first off of the artwork. Right. Because sure. there's probably plenty of artists that I like more as people, too. So Yeah, that's true. I think, uh, actually, Erin is going to have something to say to Bird about her artist as a person as opposed to as an artist. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, if, quick thing on Andy Warhol. Crispin Glover also played him, and I think it's my favorite Crispin Glover performance of all time. And that dude is fucking off the walls anyway, but he uh, he plays Warhol in Oliver Stone's movie The Doors. 
And I, mm. I think he gets it pretty pitch perfect. He gives Jim Morrison a telephone and says he can use it to call heaven and talk to God. It's pretty fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, Alan, do you have anything else on... If, wait, I mean, you, dude, right out the gate, first artist we talk about, Andy Warhol. That'd be like if I'm like, you know who I really fucking hated? Leonardo da Vinci. What a chosh Jesus. that guy was. <laughs> I, think, I think that's not, a little unfair. <laughs> definitely not a modern artist. Oh, you're right. And that's the only reason I didn't pick him. It's because he didn't fall into it. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, Michelangelo too. Fuck that guy. But um, that's what this episode will be called. Fuck Michelangelo. The Sistine Chapel? More like the Shit Stained <laughs> the Chapel. The Shit Stained Chapel. <laughs> Bird, I gotta give you that one. Knuckles or high five or whatever. That was the shit stain oh, chapel. Geez. I see t-shirts. I see t-shirts getting made out of that joke right there. Holy shit! What an amazing wow! Oh, right. bravo! All right. Um, okay. well, after that great after that great joke, let me try and pack in some sort of horrible segue. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I actually do have one point oh, that I would yeah, like yeah. to add to this. Yeah. Um, Little known fact, well, probably more known to people who are really into Andy Warhol. In 1968, a radical feminist named Valerie Solanas actually shot him at the factory, as well as uh, an art critic and curator named Mario Amaya, um, both of whom just suffered minor injuries, but yeah. So so she was a shitty shot. I think that's how he died. Uh, Apparently, terrible. He was murdered. Andy, Wait, really? Oh, well, I, I thought, yeah. I thought, I thought he like killed a himself. Drug overdose. Uh, I thought Warhol killed himself. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was um, or something. No, he okay. So he was having a bad, hard time recovering from a routine girl bladder surgery mm. on our anniversary. Oh, and huh. interesting. How about that? Um, so what a way to go. I'm gonna say that you are shooting people wrong if you shoot two of them and they just kind of recover with minor injuries. I know. Like, it's pretty sad. It's sad but. that we live in an America where we see so many modern shooting, so many like mass shootings every day, where we're just like, she fucked it up. She done fucked it up. <laughs> she obviously didn't know what she was doing. Oh my god, which is for the best. Okay, okay, mine. I almost um, anyway, made like a really bad anti-feminist joke. I'm glad you did. Speaking of shooting people, Max, shoot. There, thank you. Somebody else sucks at segues. <laughs> All right. What? That one was much better than yours. I disagree. Um, <laughs> All right. So from uh, from pop art to pretentious. Sh- oh my god. <clears throat> the guy I picked is his name is Kazimir Malevich, and he's from Russia. He is the creator of an entire art movement called Suprematism. Uh, suprematism is a form of abstract art which lauds the supremacy of pure feeling or perception in the pictorial arts. Um, the whole thing with these guys, uh, yeah. Here, if you want to look his stuff up, I'm oh, sure. Never mind. Got it. Oh my god, I I really am curious to see what Bird is going to say about this guy. Um, okay, so he actually came up with this art form having been influenced by avant-garde poets. Um, he saw them like defying language and nonsense poems, which defined reason. And he was like, Oh, I can do the same thing with the visual arts. Uh, I mean, he did. Oh my (laughs) fucking God. You're not kidding. Uh, he he says that, that, uh, suprematism was about the search for arts barest essentials. Uh, it, the movement eventually helped shape, uh, abstract, uh, modern abstract art, which is maybe why I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, but yeah, Malevich said again and again that he was searching for the what he called the zero degree of painting, the point beyond which the medium would cease to exist as art. He wanted to put he wanted to put paint on a canvas that was so close to not being fucking anything of value that it would be genius. That was his whole thing. Oh my god. Uh <clears throat> Okay, let me just... That uh, being said, I feel like he tried way too hard on some of these pieces. I'm just... Well, wait till I get to the... uh, I'll get to the black square in a moment, which is just a waste of effort. Um, Okay. Before you you start ripping him to shreds, I kind of like it. So does Bird, I guarantee Uh, it. Yeah. Not a big fan of a lot of his paintings, but some of them, yeah, I totally dig. Okay. Max, do you want to get even more angry? 
I mean, okay, I look. really like the white square. <sighs> I mean, that, that makes sense. It makes sense, okay? Because both you and Bird have Is sort of a... Is this supposed to be the United States, this uh, painting? I assume so. Nerve? Uh, um, but, uh, I mean, that's one thing that'll come up is suprematism, uh, eventually they really started using shapes, um, that were influenced by aerial photography, which Malovic hated because that added, mm. like, narrative, that added something for the viewer to grab onto, and that was anti-suprematism. He didn't want anything for the viewer to grab onto. He wanted to kind of create, uh, his idea was infinite space, but let me... As a, let, let me do the art critic thing. Uh, the movement's favorite motifs, okay? These, uh, you know, like, um, for example, Man Ray's fascination with seamstresses and things like that. Um, some artists do nudes, some artists do landscapes. Their favorite mo- motifs were squares, circles, and crosses. Uh, then later, uh, later on in the early 2000s, they would also add the triangle and invent the PlayStation. Um, and if you decode, they, that's not true. I was just, their motifs, <laughs> their motifs are the buttons on the PlayStation controller. Uh, actually, if you look at this guy's works in chronological order, it's the cheat code for God mode in every single, um, every single PlayStation game ever made. But let's get, in, get it. Let's get it. into his fucking artwork. <laughs> Black Square, nineteen fifteen. Now I will admit that I am. I like it. I am slightly ramping up Dude. my hatred for this guy. I actually kind of dig some of the ideas behind suprematism. There was a lot of ties to like Russian mysticism and things like that. But for the sake of this podcast and and hating artists, I I picked three paintings I really despise. What I hate most about fucking. <laughs> Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a plate with a piece of salami with salami and cheese on it? That's hysterical. All right, Black Square. Malovic painted this painting four times. Distinct paintings done exactly the same way four times to get it just right. Now. You, well, you must be asking yourself, what insane amount of detail, what ins- what crazy, meticulous work this must have been. It's a black fucking square inside a white border. He painted it four times, and the fourth one, which he felt that he had gotten absolutely right, he would only allow to be displayed in galleries if the gallery owners hung it in the corner, which in a Russian tradition is the traditional placement for religious iconography. That's the only place he allowed it to be hung, was in the spot for, like, religious uh, figures of deities, uh, crosses, and other religious uh, religious icons. He moved right on that same year to suprematist painting, Eight Red Rectangles, 1915. Now, this painting is Eight Red Rectangles. (laughs) (laughs) So, Max, Max, I know that you don't like it. I know that you think it's ridiculous, but from as a graphic designer, from the standpoint of composition and color, this dude's a fucking genius. They're beautiful. No. I like it. I'm sorry. No. Malovic. I'm, with I'm you. also a I graphic like designer, and I'm going to go with no. Malovic said that there were three levels of suprematism, black, colored, and white. Then he ran for president of the United States and won. <laughs> Um, Twice. <laughs> that's, this is not that podcast. All <laughs> oh, right, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's uh, soapbox battles. Tune in on Sunday. Um, yeah, so it, he actually ended up hating eight red rectangles because some critics compared it to aerial photography, and he was like, he was like, no, my paintings are not taken from life at all. He didn't want. Uh, he hated it because people were like, oh, this is beautiful. It's like looking at something from above, and he's like, no, 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 shit. Shit, they found something to grab onto, and that spurred Guys, I fucked up. I fucked up, guys. There's clearly a subject here. Son of a bitch. So he created what is considered his masterwork. It took him two years. Two years. 24 months to paint. White square on white. Which is amazing. Now, what this painting is, is it's a white square painted on a white square. 
Uh, it is his. And I fucking love it's it. It's widely considered to be Malavik's ultimate triumph. Yep. He yep, claimed that uh, he he said that this represented the transcendent state reached through suprematism. Now, Aaron, you're gonna love. You will actually like this. I intended for this to be like a a blast on the people who wrote the review of his artwork, but I, I wrote down word for word a review of his painting, which was on uh, I believe it's uh, theartstory.com. White square on white can be seen as the final complete stage of Malavik's transformation in the zero of form, since form has literally been reduced to nothing. The pure white of the canvas has negated any sense of traditional perspective, leaving the viewer to contemplate its infinite space. The picture, thus bled of color, is pure. Pure white making it easier to recognize the signs of the artist's work in the rich paint texture of the white square, texture being one of the basic qualities of painting as the suprematists saw it, etc., etc., freedom. I kind of just trailed off at the end there because I was too disenchanted with so, the world that we live in to finish writing a doll down. Uh, okay, go ahead. Max. Go ahead, yes. I... I bet you everything that I own, including my puppy, that if you saw that painting in hey, real now. life, That's my you puppy. would love it. I'm going to go ahead and say, like, okay, here, let, let me put this in perspective. Um, like, I understand that from a design standpoint, like, when we went to that art show, and you guys were showing me, like, um, uh, like, really simple graphic design stuff, and I was looking at it, and I'm like okay, this is simple graphic design stuff. This is cool. And Alan was drooling. You were like, this man is amazing. I mean, and I didn't, I don't quite revert. That does stuff doesn't reverberate with me. Now, this particular stuff, when I was shooting Marlin, I asked Bird to make me some, quote, shitty modern art paintings. And when she asked me what I meant, I meant, you know, like, Literally just a blue canvas with a deeper... This is the second time talking about this. ...deeper blue line. I know, but I'm trying to contextualize for Aaron that when I think of garbage art, this man is what I think of. No, what you think of is Ad Reinhardt. Do I think of Ad Reinhardt? Does, does he do the just the plain, plain blank canvases? Yeah. All right, I'm going to yeah. go ahead and give Ad Reinhardt back like all of his gold stars and take all of my black I checks. fucking... <laughs> love Ad Reinhardt. <sighs> okay. You know what? I, I, I do too. I won't. And I have the canvases that Max is talking about in my living room. Yes. I won't. And you know what? Like Bird <laughs> fell in love with the paintings after I made them. And I was like, I shouldn't have asked her to do this because now, <laughs> because now. No, and I will, I will say again, I am ramping up my hate just a touch for entertainment purposes, but this style of art doesn't really grab me. doesn't really resonate with me. I do love a lot of really abstract stuff. For example, the painter we're about to hear about, I'm an enormous fan of. I just have to show you this real quick. Oh my god, is that all one person? Y yes. Did they so while you guys are doing what you're doing, I would like to point out that White Square on White sold. I don't know when exactly, but I was just uh, wondering if you guys would like to throw out some potential numbers for what that sold, sold for. Sold like recently if or sold... Yeah, I'm assuming so. somewhat recently. Okay. I do not know. Based on Daredevil, the, sh the 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 Netflix original series Daredevil, which has a similar painting called uh, "White Rabbit in a Snowstorm," which Wilson Fisk buys in one of the early episodes of, I believe, season one. I'm gonna say six hundred thousand dollars. Bird. Um, I'm gonna go with an even million dollars. An even million? You're insane. It'll never sell for that high, Alan. So, I'll give you a little bit of context. It's two foot seven by two foot seven. It sold for $15 million. I'm not surprised at all. Wow. Oh, oh my fucking god. <laughs> um, back Aaron, to the right. ad so uh, This man is a genius, Aaron. He is the artistic triumph of our century. I regret everything <laughs> I said. I take it all back. I'm going to dedicate my life to just recording 20-minute-long uh, single tones <laughs> on my guitar. No, Max, that's gonna, you're going to be putting too much down. That's way too much. You're right. Two seconds. Uh, I'll release whole albums, which will be five seconds long, five tracks, one second each, single tones. And I will sell them, and I will be rich. Someone, 
Someone will think you're a genius. Yeah, someone oh will. God, I sure hope so. <laughs> okay, moving on. Bird. <laughs> okay. Who's your artistic genius? Uh, that I hate, Jackson uh-huh. Pollock. Fuck that guy. Aaron, I, yeah, um, I, human Aaron, the I feel the same way about Jackson Pollock that you Boom feel about handle. this guy. I love Jackson Pollock's artwork. I do agree, though, that he is a shit human. Okay, moving on. Terrible human beings. Um, I understand, like, the uh, the concept behind his work and how he um, wanted the, the <clears throat> artist's physicality and body to be um, represented in the painting. I get that. But I fucking hate his painting so much. And it's almost like a twofer for me because he was inspired by Picasso. And I fucking hate <laughs> yeah. Picasso too. So it's like I got two in one. My work is being described I as strongly original. I hate Pollock. And I can't take can't the person Pollock out of the yeah. artwork Pollock. Uh, I don't know anything about the person Pollock. So you'll have to... Um, Really quick. Oh, do you that. feel like being enlightened? Really yes. quick. We'd, do you want to be enlightened? We just had a similar problem with John Lennon, actually. We had a big, deep conversation about John Lennon um, as being problematic because he was a horrible wife beater and extremely violent, but his music is really good. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Enlighten us. Hang on. No, sorry. Hang on. I hate, hate, hate his drip paintings because they look <laughs> mm-hmm. like dirty carpet to me. <laughs> the worst. It makes my skin crawl like looking at it they just... look like dirty airport carpet oh oh or like bowling alley carpet yeah bowling alley carpet alan for you really quick when bird Ball said hair when bird was talking about the physicality of the artist and their work all i could think of was that scene from the big lebowski when she comes shrieking in naked on the on the zip line and splatters paint all over the canvas <laughs> Yeah, that's basically it. I must have been way too high oh to remember my that God. part. That's amazing. When Bird, was, <laughs> when Bird was talking, all I could see was Jackson Pollock saying, my work more. has been described as strongly vaginal. Made me laugh. All right. Um, oh in, enlighten us about this total chatch. Alan, thank you for that term. It's amazing. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's yours to use. <laughs> I hate that word. However, um, so there's a movie about a biographic movie. I can't think of the word for it. Um, a biopic. There we go. About Jackson Pollock. And I he was a horrible alcoholic. He was a horrible wife beater. He constantly had like three like pieces on the side. He his wife Lee Krasner was an amazing artist, like way better than him. And he constantly like tore her down and told her her work was shit and oh. nobody like remembers her because he was Jackson Pollock. And uh, he died in a car accident with one of his mistresses because he had been drinking for, like, four days straight and drove his car off the road. Well. And also, the uh, the perceived worth of art. I found another fun tidbit. I know Pollock's Pollock's painting sell for, yeah, absurd sums of money. Yeah, so Jackson Pollock's number five sold for $140 million. Oh my what? god! I no, was look up, I was look gonna up get Lee Krasner and see uh, how much. I was gonna get really brazen and say twenty million is what I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna get just fucking nuts and say twenty million. Oh my god! The amount of money that's <clears throat> in this world that it's, none of us ever see. It's just it's a podcast. I would be curious to know why that person bought that piece of art. I'm curious if it has something to do with, like, I actually genuinely like that piece of art. Oh, I would go 100% as a status symbol. I would say that or um, investment. Like, some people buy land as an investment, and this person's buying art instead. Actually, they say that... It's equally disgusting. They say that art, especially by renowned artists, is actually not a bad investment if you're very wealthy. But... Um, on the, the topic of really expensive originals, really quick, I just listened, I listened to a podcast, I think two years ago with David Cho. You guys familiar? Mm-hmm. 
All right. Um, uh, I think so. Give he me does some podcasts too. He was a comic book artist for a while. He hey. did some graphic design work for. Um, he did like cartoons for Playboy and Penthouse and shit like that. And then, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, and he's really famous for doing the mural at Google's offices when Google first opened. Um, and when he started, he Google was like, "Hey, we want to show that we're like this young, hip new company." This was before, this was when Google first started. They're like, "We want you to paint a mural on the outside of our building." And here's the deal: we'll either give you, I think I can't remember what the numbers are, but it's like we'll give you thirty thousand dollars or sixty thousand dollars, or we'll give you like. 15,000 shares of Google stock or whatever. And this was when the company first started. They were nobodies. And he was like, fuck it. I don't need $30,000. I'll take the, I'll take this stock. And he sprayed the spray painted the mural. And now he has so much money. He doesn't need to do anything. So he turned to fine art and his whole thing about, um, selling his originals is he loves, he's like, I paint these paintings and I like pour my heart and soul into them and I love them. And like their value is probably, you know, 10,000 or $15,000. He's like, but I'm going to price them at like a hundred thousand, 300,000, a million dollars because I mean, I fucking love these paintings. Why the fuck not? Yeah, he's like, I love these paintings. If someone wants to pay me like 25 times what they're worth, sure, they can have it. Until then, I'll just hold on to it. And I kind of wonder sometimes if like some of them, some other artists feel that way, you know, like I, I really love this drawing and Maybe it's only worth a hundred bucks, but if I'm gonna part with this, it's gonna have to be like an absurd amount of money because otherwise, what do I care? I'm living, I don't need the cash. I'm sure a lot of artists do that. Yeah. Do you have anything else on? Well, it's it's perceived cool. value. I mean, as with yeah. anything. Oh yeah. Yeah. That you like don't need to survive, like. Uh, so I, going back to, how much Jackson Pollock's work has sold for versus how much his wife's work has sold for. Lee Krasnick. There is a piece called Storm from 1963 by Lee Krasner that sold at Art Basel recently for $6 million. Wow. Oh. Well, Art Basel in 2016. If this was Soapbox Battles, I would say something about the disparity between <laughs> men's perceived worth and women's perceived worth. But instead... We can just zip zoopy zoopity on. Oh, hang on, hang on. I oh. wanted to say one more thing. Okay. Um, Jackson Pollock is um, considered an abstract expressionist, and I generally sort of dislike whole movements like um, cubism. Uh, no, um, Im- abstract impressionism, which is um, Van Gogh can't stand that stuff um but i actually really really love rothko and um barnett newman and ad ad reinhardt like i barrett newman super love them um i hated rothko until seeing one of his pieces in person it's and i know that i'm not sorry oh i'm not nearly as emotional about it as aaron is but like to see something that's like seven foot tall up on a gallery wall and you can just like sit on a bench and stare at it for a couple minutes mm-hmm. is mind-boggling it's just to me like these artists are just really enjoying a certain color and i can totally get behind that like just loving looking through a box of crayons and then saying oh i love this color i'm gonna color a whole page this color what if they melted mm-hmm. that crayon down and then dripped it like a dirty carpet onto oh their notebook? <laughs> okay, Max. Okay, yeah. Max. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Pollock, one of his really good friends is my artist that I hate. <laughs> Everybody's so good at these little Dude, segues. That was, They're just trying that was to a real it. segue. They're trying yeah, to keep the segues uh, so, away from me. Um, Willem de Kooning is also an abstract expressionist and um i wrote down abstract expressionism and german expressionism have similar roots but abstract abstract expressionism just sucks (laughs) (laughs) um a lot of the root of abstract expressionism is action painting and it's supposed to be spontaneous automatic and or subconsciously created um interesting concept yeah great concept 
this is just really horrific. super super fast um dada one of the big things with dada was incorporating chance into artwork they would like um they would just randomly pick colors by closing their eyes and pointing to their paint yeah that's that's pretty harrowing shit you just tell you them. see this yeah birds showing me on the eye uh the like, iphone as well oh oh god but yeah i think that's interesting dada did the same thing they incorporated chance to create art and a lot of times it came out really cool this guy seems to just this movement, maybe not so much. Okay, okay so maybe yeah, so my least favorite is blob woman, naked blob woman with <laughs> levitating dicks. Oh my uh-huh. god! So, um... That was, like, his signature. <laughs> I I did a lot of reading on Art Story about him, uh-huh. which artstory.com is a great website. Yeah, really, really good. I used it a lot, too. Um, so, <laughs> a quote that I pulled from there says... I don't paint with ideas of art in mind. I see something Clearly. that excite me, excites me, and it becomes my content. Um, so he obviously likes naked women and naked blob women. Here's <laughs> here's blob. the thing. Here's the thing that gets me about him. So one of his dealers noted that his canvases are often had holes in them because he painted so aggressively and violently. And also, Woman 1, which is this one. Uh, She's got, like, scary teeth. Yeah, describe it for the viewers at home. Um, it's um, basically two eyes, scary teeth, boobs, and feet. It's a fucking mess. So that's it really... It kind of looks like she's, Fro- like... Naked frog woman with up. triangle tits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like birds' descriptions. Um, so... Or so horse leg. I don't... I don't know. Horse legs. Ugh. Yes. He's, so he is kind of another quote... <clears throat> Another quote from him says, I'm not interested in abstracting or taking things out or reducing painting to design form, line, and color. I paint this way because I can keep putting more things in it. Drama, anger, pain, love, a figure, a horse, my ideas about space. Through your eyes, it again becomes an emotion or an idea. So woman one, that frog woman with triangle boobs, that took him 18 months to paint. <laughs> what? A year and a half. Because he kept putting on paint and taking off paint and putting on paint and taking off paint. And he was in a crummy mood one day and then the next day he'd be happy. So he'd take off all the crummy paint and put on the happy paint. And then he'd be in a bad mood again and put on take off the happy paint and put on some sad paint. It just makes me crazy. And they're terrifying. Like these are nightmare inducing. And they're just bad. Yeah, because we like na- again, we're fans of nightmare-inducing art on this podcast. Just maybe not this stuff. This is like a child with some sort of like sexual paraphilia. God, yes. trying to make the face Got of my face and on... I just can't. What? I'm yeah. trying to make her face my face and I just can't do it. Hold on. <laughs> um. And one of them, he actually cut out a mouth oh from a woman's magazine. And just pasted that on the face of the woman in the painting. Alan, do the face again. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you're not getting enough teeth in there. Like, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> do it again. I'm going to take a screen not cap. Happening. No, do it. Do it. Do it. No, we could. Yeah, do we need to screen cap okay. it so I can post it on the, <laughs> underneath this episode. All right. Scary face of woman. Can okay. you screen cap what um, we're doing? Yeah. Bird, do your impression of woman's face. Get closer to the camera and do your impression of woman's face, and we'll put it underneath the episode. (laughs) I think I got it. You didn't, but... Get close. (laughs) I mean, obviously, for those viewing from home... She's not wearing headphones. She's not. So. No, Bird, that's perfect. Hold it. Got it. Okay. Oh my Nailed god, Bird's yep. is dead on too. Oh. Um, wow, this is fun. This could be like so. another little segment. Making faces from abstract expressionist paintings. Oh god. <laughs> um, We're all so like, I think what we should like do Man is Ray. pull like a like a late night host, like a late night TV host, and just get like paintings and take them with us out into the streets and get people to make the faces <laughs> no, for no, us. No, 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 no. 
we're going to get so fucking rich. We're going to do photographs in a studio replicating modern art pieces. <laughs> and then we're going to sell those photographs. My nose Perfect. could not be yes, broken yes, enough yes. to replicate these <laughs> photographs. Uh, if only man, man, um, man were alive. So, his rung out on towel the, head. On the <laughs> note of de Kooning and Pollock being besties, um, de Kooning also was an alcoholic and a wife abuser. And his wife was also an amazing artist. Aww. Her name is Elaine de Kooning. And her work is phenomenal. And guess what the history books remembered? That's right, her bullshit, retarded, stupid, alcoholic, abusive husband. So it sounds <sighs> like it sounds like a burden I ever want to have any money. I need to start drinking and hitting her. No, because then I won't get famous. No, no. Me. But the problem is, is you're a really great artist. <laughs> so oh, oh by, we're we're set to go. Perfect. Right. By yeah. default, I should be hitting you and drinking a lot and cutting you down constantly while making garbage. And then I'll yeah. be rich. Yes. And then I'll be rich. That's what we've learned here today. <laughs> and you'll be rich and remembered, but Bird will be the amazing artist and the history books will forget about her. Right. I mean, honestly, win-win. That's how I'm seeing it here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I get to be rich and Your remembered. Your head just whipped around so fast. Such a jackass. <laughs> it's a, yeah, she is a way better painter it's than It's a comedy is. podcast, and <clears throat> the jokes just keep on... Oh, I love the, the black and white coming. one. Oh, the hits. Yeah, the hits. But um, did you see what I did there? The hits I just keep did, coming. <laughs> I did. Um, Aaron, before I forget, um, I wrote down yes. a, a note to myself. The pers. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, she is really good. Her painting of Kennedy is amazing. So good. I wrote down a um, a note about the perceived value of art. Um, Al- I think Alan actually brought the the point up originally which is maybe somebody pays 120 million dollars not as an investment but because that's what that painting means to them that in order to have that they'll spend all the money um and you really loved my art uh my artist that i hated with his plain squares and shit Mm -hmm. maybe maybe here's a good parallel of something that i like totally love which you don't get don't understand um I collect and shitty squirrel music. I've, I was, yeah, squirrel. I've collected, <laughs> I've hunted down uh, limited, rare, limited copies of their vinyl releases. I, I mean, EP2, if I want to complete my collection, I'll have to spend probably 100, 120 bucks on a 15 minute vinyl EP of guitar feedback, basically. I paid, I think I paid 60 bucks for my German first pressing of Lou Reed's Metal Machine music, which is literally just hard stereo panned right and left guitar feedback for an hour. That's all it is. I actually and really like that horrible. one. I, Bird, like, Bird actually likes it. I've turned her around on it. I love that album. I've heard that album, I'm not joking, probably 300 times. And I, I mean, but like... I don't think I would seek it out and listen to it like... But for, for me, the perceived value of an hour of guitar feedback recorded by Lou Reed is, like, way more than most people would... Mo- I mean, most people who hear that album are like, why did you pay anything for this? Why do you... <laughs> you've listened to this... Are you sure this isn't garbage? Yeah, like, some people are like, oh, oh, dude, your, your record's scratched. I'm like, no, that's what it sounds like. It's guitar... <laughs> <laughs> I have and I have multiple copies. I have it on digital downloads, <laughs> CD, and vinyl. So like something wrong with you. I think th- you're broken. So what I'm saying I is, I think so too. Aaron sees like stuff from a design perspective and standpoint and thinks it's beautiful, and I don't quite get it. I just recorded a four uh, four track EP, which incorporates heavily incorporates layered guitar feedback, and a lot of my favorite albums also do. And most people, I admit, most people don't get it, but it really does something. You know, it does something for me. I really love it. So there, the perceived value of art. I buy. I've spent money on shit that most people think is retarded. <laughs> so. <laughs> You spend a lot we of shit. Our money on shit that you yeah. a lot in this podcast. Twice, twice I believe. I've used it That's at a least lot. twice. No, one, no, twice. one was you. One was me. I mostly, I mostly used it for solidarity. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what we've learned really is uh, that uh, you do you. 
You do yeah. you, do you, but and not the shitty pasta. And when I get emotional, I say retarded. Yeah. Which I don't say in real life ever at all. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and then the other thing we learned is if you think that an artist is either good, if you see a famous artist, ignore them and look at their wife because their wife is always better. Exactly. Speaking of, I have a wife who is clearly a better artist than me, and you can find all of her. See what I'm doing here? I'm doing the wrap-ups. I'm doing the wrap-ups. I, like I, I did a well, little Well, you were doing the wrap-ups. I did a segue into the wrap-ups. I, the only way and I if could, you hadn't cocked it up by talking about it. No, the only way I could make that segue shitty enough to be worthy of me was to point it out. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, uh, All right, so uh, you can find Bird's stuff over at uh, theartistbird.com. She's actually updating really... Fr- Why am I talking? Talk. Tell us about oh your Oh, my God. Okay, I'm updating uh, semi-frequently. Um, I actually just posted a blog... Oh, well, this will be two weeks, two weeks ago. late. <laughs> two weeks ago, I posted a blog, and um, it was about something big that happened today. Uh, yeah, and two actually, weeks ago. actually, two weeks from now, that show, no, that show will be a month out still, but we can talk about it. Yeah, t- tell us what you posted about today. Are, wait, are you guys in a super big hurry, or do we have a couple minutes? Bring it. Okay. All right, go ahead. Okay, um, I got my artwork officially up in that gallery that i talked about oh god what last episode now yeah no, in between episodes so yeah so that, that three weeks ago yeah from where you are hearing this in the future <laughs> <laughs> yeah bird bird got some art up in a local um comic shop nerd shop slash, um, slash gallery gallery slash pop culture <clears throat> place cool little shop called awesome hobby shop in downtown Biddeford. also got invited to uh, submit a piece of art to an upcoming show at said gallery, which will, uh, the show's called Kick Flipped. It's all artwork on the bottom of skate decks. We talked about oh, it. On we pre- talked about that, yeah. On a previous episode. When will that show, uh, but just plug it again real quick. When will the that show The first through be? the 16th of February. First through the 16th. So like the first two and a quarter weeks of February. Um, uh, where, what are you on Instagram? Bird on Instagram is... The.artist.bird. Right. And fuck Twitter. I'm on... I'm also on Twitter. At the artist bird. At the artist bird. But that's no dots, right? It's just right. at the artist bird. Right. They wouldn't let me. So. Okay. Um, I'm on Instagram as actual Max P. You can... I post a lot of silly videos of me playing guitar poorly. Um Playing with the dog, which is pretty much all I do. <laughs> and uh, stuff that I'm working on. Um, I'm also on Twitter. I cannot remember what it is. I think it's at Max J. Peterson on Twitter. Uh, and I do have a website as well, which is where this podcast goes up every week, www.quillandfilmproductions.com. I just revamped the entire website. There's lots of new music. Two weeks to- ago. Two weeks ago. <laughs> the <laughs> website is totally done now, and all of the empty pages are repopulated. It's um, shiny and beautiful now. There's uh, links to my sound cl- SoundCloud. Uh, by this time, by the time you're hearing this, my Lo-Fi Lullabies EP will be available on the website for digital download and possibly for CDs, depending on how much my shit together, uh, or how much I get my shit together in the next two weeks. But my, uh, how my, much of your how shit, much shit together how much is. Together but yeah, my debut uh, EP will be available uh, on there. You can check out some of that stuff on my Instagram and, of course, at quillandfilmproductions.com. There's also a lot of other shit you should go and check out there. Uh, where can people find you guys? So we are also artists. Uh, you can find our work, or at least a very small percentage of our work, on our website. Well, in two weeks, we might have more than nothing. Yeah, yeah we'll have some more stuff up there. <laughs> yeah, so you can find our artwork at www.shugcreative. That's S-C-H-U-G creative.com. Uh, we are also on Instagram collectively as Shug Creative. Um, I also have my personal account, which is mostly calligraphy and pictures of our dog. It's awesome. Mr. calligraphy, by the way. <laughs> at Mr. Underscore Anonymous. And I just post pictures of our dog and almost no artwork at Baloney Shoes <laughs> on Instagram. And she also fuck Twitter. So. And fuck Twitter. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, man, my Twitter's getting deleted for sure, even though I did plug it. Um, let's, we, we didn't cover it last week. I was thinking about this in between episodes, uh, the episodes we recorded, but we don't, we didn't actually cover, you guys are de- both artists, but we didn't really cover what art you oh, do. Oh, yeah. We, we were just like, yeah, they're artists. Yeah, they let's do. just throw this in at the end. Yeah, yeah that's um, cool. 
So I am a graphic designer for my real job. And at home, not that I've done anything in a long time, mm-hmm. but I do um, relief prints, oil painting, and lots of like handicrafts, like sewing and knitting. Alan, so hang on. I it's, am. Um, what? Mm-hmm. Is the okay. um, is your Etsy shop still open? We are on vacation right now. We've been on vacation since March 1st, and the message says, we got a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very long And it'll be up for two more years, yeah. (laughs) At least. Um, So at some point, yes, we do have an Etsy store that will be producing goods again eventually we need to find somebody that will make prints for us because we've got stuff that we yes we're in the same Um, and for those for those who are looking and want to just like stash it in their queue or bookmark it for two years from now uh that is e and the moose it's etsy.com slash shop slash e and the moose Right. Or you can just search Etsy. <laughs> yeah, convoluted, hot mess there. Um, um, don't expect that to be live anytime soon. Yeah. Um, sp- about your website, though, are you guys? I mean, this will be this will go up two weeks from this date. Do you guys feel like you'll have maybe some new content on the website? Uh, put some time in, put some work in on it, and see. It depends on how much work we get done with Christmas gifts. Uh, yeah, okay. all of our so we're creating all of our Christmas gifts this year, and so those will be going up. Um, on our website as well once we get a chance to scan them in, but not until after Christmas. Okay. Sure. So we're not spoiling anything. Right. Very cool. Um, I like that idea. And Alan, what do you do? So I, not as a full-time job or anything, I also am a graphic designer um, with a little bit more emphasis on logo work, uh, but I do calligraphy in my spare time, which has taken up almost all of my spare time, um, which I've started doing some hand lettering and hand type logos as well. Um, watercolor painting. I also do some watercolor painting and pencil hey. sketch, pen, stuff like that. Yeah. Right on. Um, okay, well, that wraps up a brilliant two-part episode on modern art. Uh, we talked about it, I think we talked about it last week, but... If you guys are game, I would love to do, maybe not right away, we need to get a couple normal episodes in, but I would love <laughs> to revisit the uh, the art ep- normal episodes. I'd love to revisit the art thing and do like a, a, the dark twisted world of fucked up artists episode we were talking about where we cover uh, Goya, Hieronymus Bosch, Francis Bacon, and who was the last one? I can't remember, but it doesn't matter. There was four of them. It's been such a um, long time. It has yeah. been. It's been a week since we recorded uh, last together. Seven full days. Um, but yeah, I would love to do that episode with you guys. Um, we'll figure out something in the scheduling if you're game. And you mentioned something about a Christmas podcast? Christmas crossover? <laughs> I, I think, think that we should reprise the Christmas episode. Because that was hilarious. That was a lot of fun. Did We did do a Christmas episode, didn't we? Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, we it's did. Been there's, a while. A great, there's a great Christmas episode of Chapman and Rob. I'll we'll go I'll go on the website and we'll find it after this is done. And it is in <laughs> fact done. So that's all for this week. Um for Chapman and Robin, I'm Max Peterson. And I'm Bert. Wait, let him sign off this time. You didn't let him sign off last week. Okay, oh. so we'll do them we'll do them <laughs> first. Okay. <clears throat> Starting over. So uh our guests for Chapman and Robin this week were Alan. And Aaron. I'm Max Peterson. And I'm Bird. Holy podcast, Chatman. Rock and fucking roll.